it's your girl Rebecca and Lily and Taylor and you're listening to just gooey things Hey, Boo Thangs, and welcome back to Just Ghouly Things, the quarantine spooky story special, episode 41, and we are your bootsyful hosts, Rebecca, Lily, and Taylor. So as you guys can tell, we have another guest co-host on our show today. She is an awesome Boo Thang, one of our, I feel like one of our OG Boo Thangs that has listened to us since practically the beginning. Um, And she is, I mean, you are just amazing you've supported us from the absolute beginning so i'm so happy we got to video chat you and get to talk to you and have you on the show today so we are welcoming taylor thank you for having me you guys i really i was seriously so excited about this for so long so i'm glad (laughs) it's finally here (laughs) well you know what i'm so excited you're here too because i hear your accent and i just want you to talk the whole time I think that I have a very tame southern accent, but some people are way thicker, but I'll go up north, like obviously y'all are from New Jersey, and mm-hmm. y'all's Jersey accents to me are so cute. You can hear our accent? <laughs> yes, I can hear your accent. When you said that to me too, I'm like, there's no way that I have an accent. <laughs> See, like when you say accent, you go like, accent. And it's so cute, but it's, like, yours It definitely isn't as thick as, like, some people I've heard, like, from Louisiana. I've heard some, like, thick-ass, I'm like, that's a different language. That's not, I cannot even understand that. But you, like, I understand your accent, and it's so adorable, and that's why we have you on the show, just to talk the whole time. Right, right, yeah. I'll I'll add a little southern drawl to the (laughs) (laughs) So, speaking of, um, so, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the paranormal all that good stuff. Um, Okay, so I live in Memphis, Tennessee, which is one of the huge things I wanted to talk about with you guys. Um, Why I got into the paranormal. My parents, which is funny, are huge paranormal buffs. Like, you know, usually when you're a kid, you grow up and you're just watching, you know, like sitcoms and show. No, we were watching Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures every night after dinner. Love that. Yeah, it's like my parents have got me into it so much. Like, I love every kind of scary movie. I feel like I can't even find a new scary movie anymore because I've seen every single one of them. Same. Um, And, like, a hobby that I have with my mom especially is going to, whenever we travel, we always try to find one haunted area that we take a tour on. Like, last time we went to Louisiana, we went to Myrtle's Plantation, and mm-hmm. we did that whole tour. Um, we like to go just, like, anywhere, ghost tours in Memphis even. At home, we like to take ghost tours and do spooky things, and that's just kind of a bonding thing as my family. We sound kind of creepy, but, you know. That's so cute. <laughs> it's fun. No, I love that. sounds great. Are you kidding? That sounds amazing. It is, and, you know, I was telling y'all before when we were talking before, I personally have never had – like an actual paranormal experience. Um, but I'm looking for one. (laughs) (laughs) But the other day I was watching a paranormal show with my parents and they showed this guy and he had a video camera in a cemetery. Uh, and there was a little boy ghost that ran across the camera and I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? If I saw that in real life, I'd honestly probably shit myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to tell the story. <laughs> that's that's how I feel, too. Like, I feel like if I actually saw a ghost, like, in that sense, I probably, like, my heart would sink to my vagina, and I wouldn't be able to get it back up, and it <laughs> we're such talkers. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, I would love to see a ghost this way or that, blah, blah, blah. And then it would actually happen. I'm like, I don't know. I think I'd be a little bitch. I think I'd well, be a little bitch. Remember when I thought I saw a ghost in your basement, Rebecca, when we were recording the other day? Yes. <laughs> Oh and it was my just, god! The microphone, but I I saw the microphone moving. I guess you must have been like shaking your leg or something. Yeah, and, like, the microphone or like the table was moving. But I all I saw was something, and it looked like it was behind you because it was all black and it blended in with the background. So I was like, holy shit! There's something behind you and it's moving. Oh right. my god! Rebecca got so scared, and I would I would be even I would be just as scared too. I was heavy sca- breathing. It's scary. Is that when you're like, what's behind you? What's behind you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking I, around. I, I was like, the suspense. The suspense. <laughs> and it was crazy because it was, wait, was that for our one year? Was Yeah, it was for our one, like literally on our one year that we've started recording. And um, that happened. And I like looked around. I'm like, there's no way that there's a ghost in here. I've had no experiences in this house as of yet. 
Like, I hear footsteps and stuff, but, like, sometimes I equate it to, like, the next-door neighbors. Right. So, like, that's what I like to say. So, the fact I'm alone in this basement recording... I was like, there's no way. This is how I'm going to die. Like, I felt like it was one of those typical new generation horror movies where the girl's FaceTiming her friend, and they're like, wait, what's that behind you, Becca? And then, like, the thing starts, like, spazzing out. I was like, all right, I'm dying in the middle of a JGT episode. Hopefully, people will view this now, and we'll go up the charts. Recording, so we can at least make you go viral after you die. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is how I'm going to make my claim to fame, dying in an episode of Just Ghouly Things. If there's a way to die, I guess that's the way to go. So um, you said that your parents um, have always been into the paranormal. Is there a reason why they've been in the par- like, into the paranormal? Have they had experiences? I just think that they're just like us. They're just spooky people, and I guess it's just <laughs> right in the genetics because... I mean, my dad's into it, but not as much as my mom. Like, we love Halloween, everything spooky. And my parents, when we were at the Myrtle's Plantation, my mom was trying to do everything she could to be like, oh, my gosh, I think I saw something. Oh, my gosh, I think I heard something. I'm like, you're just overreacting at this point. <laughs> so when I was there, they actually, I see, the reason I didn't bring this up is because I think it might have been a hoax, but they okay. bring us into the first bedroom at this plantation home, and they're like, oh, my gosh, there's a handprint pressed into the bed. And we walk in the room, and there was. But I feel like it might have also been an easy way to sell more tickets. Yeah, yeah. There. Just pushing their hand into the bed, but I don't know. I can I could like to say that it was real. <laughs> See, yeah, well, I like how you think, too. It's like, you know, you're a believer like us, but we also like to be logical, and we like to look at both right. sides of, like, look, you know, unfortunately, people do like to discredit the paranormal by doing things like that, like hoaxing and, like, trying to sell tickets and really try to, you know, monetize and make profit off of the paranormal when it's something that, you know, we're all still trying to figure out, and we're actually trying to get real answers. So um, it's good to have an open mind with that, too, because, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that like try to screw people like us over and are just trying to make an easy buck so um have you what other tours have you gone on let's see um in new orleans they do see they have like cheesy walking tours of course Mm -hmm. but not all of them are cheesy like there's some that you can actually pay a little bit more money and it's not just you walking around like you get to go into cool places and see different ghost stories just from the inside instead of just walking by. Um, In Memphis, they have a lot of cool places, especially around, like, the fall time. They really like to um, do tours at this place called Molly Fontaine Lounge, and that's supposed to be – it's a haunted mansion turned into a gay bar. Uh Oh, my God. Yes, yes. And it's it's a gay bar, that, and it is decorated like an old, like, house, probably from, like, the 60s, I'd say Oh, I love so it. So gorgeous. Um, but um, just, like, stuff like that around here. You know, have, if you've ever done the Graceland tour, they say Graceland is haunted by the ghost of Elvis. That's Elvis's home, of course. Mm-hmm. you got to shout out Elvis since I'm from Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have his grave there and everything, and um, people say that they see him all the time. Some people say that they'll be upstairs and they'll hear singing coming downstairs from his recording studio when Ooh. no one's there. Imagine having that experience. That would be so cool. It would be so cool, especially because it's Elvis. Like, Elvis can be a malevolent ghost. He has to be an angel, I'm sure. And he died at home. Um, He died in the bathroom of a heart attack. Um, And so it's extra spooky, kooky-ooky to go in there. Yeah! (laughs) You know what? I think you and your mom would love to visit Salem, Massachusetts. Next time he goes traveling... would love that yeah we're big travelers um i obviously after this pandemic i would love to go like do they have a bunch of stuff there for like the salem witch trials like the like tours and stuff yeah they have i mean they have a lot of like reenactments they have a lot of walking ghost tours where you go at night and you go through cemeteries and there are a lot of um they do they do have a lot of historical places like uh i think it was I forgot her name, but it's like the Sarah Miller house or something like that. It's one of the people that was a part of the Salem witch trials that either died or was a part of the whole trial situation. And um, I haven't gone there in so many years, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't really remember everything that well. But you go like the House of the Seven Gables. Um, you, I mean, there's just so many different things that you can do. And I can only imagine now how much more they have over there. Oh, yeah. um, but I always went the week before Halloween. I didn't go the week of Halloween because it was always hectic. But the week before, you still had a lot of stuff going on. 
and a lot of a lot of ghost tours. So you can like um, you can bring like an EVP or even just record from your phone, take tons of pictures, and see if you get anything. My mom always got pictures of orbs, which was really cool in the cemeteries. So um, yeah, it's, like, it's just dust. Like what kind of dust just floats around in the air in a cemetery? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, you could see like oh bugs and stuff, but I just I there was stuff that like it just was so solid that you could just differentiate what was a bug and what was, you know, dust. So um, right. I would suggest, and we did an episode a while back on Salem and uh, mm-hmm. some of the experiences there. And it's, it's every time I go there, it's, it's definitely a magical place. There's definitely some dark history behind it. It's fun, right. but there's definitely some underlying negative energies there. Oh, yeah. So. But yeah. I was gonna tell y'all today really quick. You know, if y'all did, if y'all are on forty-one episodes, you know that means that y'all have told four hundred and ten ghost stories. Holy <gasps> shit! All right, yeah. I'm horrible at like, math, you know, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, if you did, like, you know, I'm, I think that y'all do like ten stories, some usually. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. four hundred and ten ghost stories. When I was thinking about that, that isn't that is a ton of ghost stories. And we that haven't even cracked the surface. We haven't even, yeah. it's crazy. A lot of like what we have, a lot of shadow people. And sometimes I feel like our stories can overlap where a lot of people have similar experiences. But I think mm-hmm. that that's even better because it's validation that, you know, people that have those experiences that think they're crazy, other people have experienced it in this world. It's just they may have not met the same person that has had, like, had those experiences. So right. it's awesome to have forums like Reddit and other, um, like, Ranker and things like that that tell people stories and are able mm-hmm. to, you know validify and you know we can also debunk people's stories too through it and um help make people understand the unknown a little better so um so today uh we have a specific topic that we're talking about that was your idea and first of all i have to shout you out because you were the one to reach out to us and give us the idea of having our boothings on as co-hosts so Selfishly, I was, I was like, I definitely want to do this. But also, <laughs> I think it's a great way for, you know, you can get more people to experience the podcast, see how great it is. You know, people will be, like, having their friends come listen. So I thought it was a really fun idea, too, especially um, – when Lily was gone, you were kind of taking the whole load. By the way, I'm so happy you're back, Lily. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. It was not the same not doing it. And, like, I was, like, trying to listen to episodes, and it was just making me sad. Like, yeah. I it was definitely imagine. not the same. Right. But, um, I'm, but you know what? I'm so glad. It's, like, everything's back to normal besides the fact that, like, Lily can't come over and record. Right. Um, right. But now, you know, we're able to Skype with all of you guys, and it really is cool getting to see you guys in person and, like, talk to you and hear your voices and be able to just have a genuine conversation. Every, th- every episode that we've done with one of our boo things has run so smoothly, and I'm not going to lie. I get a little nervous before we record with you guys because I don't know what to expect. Yeah, oh, oh, you yeah. guys are I feel, so I feel supportive and awesome. I was like, There's no awkward silences. Things might be weird, but no, it was. <laughs> I feel like I'm like talking to like a friend I've had for years and years. Well, you are our friend. You, like we've yeah, known you yeah. now for almost a year. Like it's crazy. So, oh, you did get the stickers too, right? Oh, I got the stickers. Okay, good. Was, my mom got the mail and was like, "Who do you know from New Jersey?" <laughs> <laughs> I hope you like Santa Claus stamps. But that's all I could find. <laughs> okay, I loved it. But okay. So, speaking of New Jersey, Tennessee, where we're from, um, you had the idea when you had the idea of this of this uh, little segment, you wanted mm-hmm. to do the topic of Memphis, Tennessee. So, why exactly did you want to do Memphis, Tennessee, and can you tell us a little bit about why, you know, Memphis, Tennessee is haunted and some stuff about it? Well, see... I'm obviously from there, so I'm a huge advocate, and I this place will always be home to me, even if I don't live here forever. This is just home, and part of the reasons I love work or living here is because it is so spooky, like especially at nighttime. And there are dozens and dozens of haunted places. And while I was looking at stories, I couldn't even whittle it down. There's a lot of um, places here that do have paranormal activity. Like we have one of the most haunted bars in the United States. It's called Ernestine and Hazel's, and I'll be actually telling a story about um, them to, there, there today. Oh, uh, you know Graceland. I told you about Elvis's house. Mm-hmm. If you look on YouTube, you can actually see a video uh, where you can see what looks like Elvis pulling back a curtain and peeping through the window at. Uh, 
Graceland. Yes, it's on YouTube everywhere. It's crazy. Um, we have a huge theater that is haunted by a little girl that got killed in front of it by being hit by a trolley. And she sits in the same seat all the time. And so everyone says to look out for her while you're at the theater. The creepiest thing to me about her is that she plays the organ. And I think that that is the most terrifying. <laughs> that, that is, is pretty horrifying. Right. I mean, we have all different kinds of places. We have um, a Civil War cemetery. We have next to the Mississippi River. It's called the Cobblestones, and it's a place where slaves were auctioned off um, and a lot of death and stuff. Yes. And it being there at night, people come and go and walk around is absolutely terrifying. So I definitely wanted to talk about that. But the main one I wanted to tell a story about today was Ernestine and Hazel's, which is like, it's kind of like a dive bar. Um, and now it is a dive bar. I didn't start off with that. And they have um, a famous burger there called the Soul Burger because for like soul food, like music down here, uh, you know, Memphis is about the blues. And so everything is about soul. Um, so I really wanted to tell a story. And this is actually a story by one of the ladies that has worked there for a long time. So it's pretty cool to hear not only a firsthand experience, but someone that um, is with these paranormal entities every single day. Mm-hmm. Are y'all ready for me to start? Oh, I'm so yes. ready. Okay. So this is my longest one, but uh, my other ones are short. So it's not too long. Okay. So it says, I've been working at Ernestine and Hazel's for 13 years. Yes, ma'am. If you ever come in, I'll still be here. I'm a fixture on the wall. (laughs) I started working here at the end of 2001, and I love it. To be honest with you, when I'm at work, I don't really like talking about this stuff. I get an eerie feeling because I feel the spirits might be listening, and I feel like I'm disrespecting them or something. It's crazy, I know, but I don't know how to explain it. The Ernestine and Hazel's building originated in the late 1800s when it was built as a church. Then it was a pharmacy and a sundry store, and then an old jazz cafe with a brothel on top. So there's a lot of unsettled spirits in here. The brothel was upstairs. Ernestine's husband owned the club, and all the jazz musicians used to hang out here. Ray Charles used to stay upstairs and do heroin and mess with prostitutes. (laughs) (laughs) Ernestine and Hazel, who were sisters, came here in 1950s and reopened it on St. Patrick's Day. Hazel died in 1995, but Ernestine didn't die until 1998. She and Russell became really good friends, and she told them all the stuff about that place they used to hang out. But having worked here, we have experienced. Russell, who was the previous owner, committed suicide last year. He made the place what it is today. Um... So it says, I never went here except one time before I started working here. Even before I started working here, the place is known for the Soul Burgers. Weird stuff happens here all the time, though. I've been here by myself and heard the piano playing upstairs. Sounds like people are wandering around talking up there. All the rooms from the brothel are all upstairs. Paranormal types are always getting up here and spending the night, and you can't take a picture up here without getting an orb in it. They're everywhere. I heard through the grapevine, though I'm not sure if it's true, that some of the prostitutes were killed upstairs. I'm pretty sure all the spirits here are women. I've never really studied any of that stuff, and I've never believed in it until I worked here. But there's no doubt in my mind that there's something in this building. I feel like what's ever in there will take care of me because I'm here so long. I respect the place. There was this guy I used to work here with for 15 years. He went upstairs one day, and I swear he came running down through the bar, out the door, and all the way home. He will not go upstairs to this day. He saw something in here that scared him to death, man. He couldn't explain what it was. It's mainly been upstairs that I've dealt with, except downstairs the jukebox sometimes comes on periodically and plays songs at random. And this happens all the time. You can ask my customers this. We'll be sitting here talking about something, and the jukebox will blare a song pertaining to whatever we're talking about. It's real weird. One time, my co-worker and I were talking about James Brown one day that he died. All of a sudden, the jukebox... Box blared out of nowhere, scared me half to death, and started playing I Feel Good. Another what? time, a paranormal was in here talking about exorcisms and stuff with Russell, and all of a sudden, the songs by the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil, started playing on its own. I swear, I think the only time I really got scared was when I was standing at the jukebox and felt somebody touch me. Ooh. Sometimes you take pictures upstairs and you can see faces in the wall. Heck, I've got customers who go upstairs with their little gadgets and stuff. And I'm <laughs> up there when they had their flashlights on. And when I come out, 
they're saying, Karen's here, Karen's here, and the flashlights start going on and off. That's when I get up and leave, you know? You can hear everything, every now and then, voices. You can't really make out what they're saying, but people are talking. Everyone used to think that the cleanup guy we had for years were crazy because he'd say that as soon as he'd walk in certain rooms, they'd say, here he is again. But I definitely believe it after 13 years of working here, not a doubt in my mind. I also have had people make fun of the place. One night, this is a true story, some people were sitting in the bar making fun of ghosts and talking trash about Ernestine and Hazel. All of a sudden, the lights started getting brighter, dimmer, brighter, dimmer, until it was as bright as the sun in here. They freaked out and left. I've had all <laughs> weird experiences money, too. One time we had a money bag go missing, couldn't find it, looked everywhere. Then one Friday, literally five years later, I was shooting pool with a coworker, and it was dead as heck at the bar. I knocked the cue ball off the table, and it rolled underneath the couch. We picked up the couch, and underneath it laid the money bag with cobwebs and stuff all over it. I called Russell, and he's like, I have no idea where that came from. The next Saturday, another coworker was shooting pool. Same thing happened. Knocked the cue ball off the table, and it went under the couch. We picked up the couch, and the exact spot the money bag that had been missing for four or five years was there again. You might not really want to hear this last story, but it's a true story, and this was when I knew something was here. Like I said, I've been working here for a long time. In 2007, my 24-year-old son got killed. I was at work and found out that he had gotten shot. To make a long story short, this was how I knew that Ernestine, I think Ernestine, was watching out for me. When I came back to work, I was sitting at the end of the bar by myself. I was crying. I said, God, please give me a sign that my kid's all right. I used to be known when I got freaked out in here that I would just start talking to Ernestine. I know that that sounds crazy, but sometimes you're in here yourself and it can get a little creepy. I said, Ernestine, please give me a sign that my kid's all right. Out of nowhere, a little baby bird came walking right up to me over from one of the booths. I looked down, and the little bird walked over to an iron gate where the door was and flew off. That was my sign that my kid was okay. When I started talking to Ernestine, the bird appeared and flew off. It was weird. And just then, a little lady came in I've never seen before. She walked and said, hey, lady, are you okay? I don't know where she came from, never saw her again, but I started talking to her a little bit about everything. And you know that lady left my bar, and she came back an hour later, and she brought me a sterling silver necklace with a bird on it. I don't know her name or anything. She gave me the necklace and a big old hug and left. I never saw her again. Now, I know that's not something right there. She came back with a necklace with a bird just like that. True story. I'm not lying about it. None of it. Russell said, Karen, Ernestine's watching over you, man. And that's the end of that story. Wow. Oh, I that love last them. story literally gave me chills. Holy shit! I know, I know right? And I've been in this bar several times. Um, and you can go sit upstairs in the brothel area. They have like spooky tables that are set up that look like they've been there forever. And they have a bathroom, and the bathroom has a bathtub in it because it used to be a brothel. And my friends and I, you know, were at a bar we're wasted and we're (laughs) laying in the bathtub like taking pictures like joking around and now i'm like oh my gosh that was probably so disrespectful i'm surprised (laughs) i was gonna say that ghost about to kick your ass (laughs) (laughs) but that's insane Uh, what are the odds that a lady would come in with a bird necklace after she just saw a bird as a symbol of a loved one that passed i just crazy that's like that's like such a beautiful sign. That's a beautiful way to end that story. I know. Yeah. The whole time I was reading it the first time, I was like, wow, this is so spooky. But that that bird story really touched my heart. Yeah. It yeah. confirms that there is, you know, there is something after this. And, you know, our loved ones are still looking down at us even when they're not their physical being isn't here. Right. Um, I think it's such a beautiful a beautiful thing to think about. So that was one of so yeah, I what's the name of that? Um restaurant again how do you say it ernestine and hazel it's kind of like old lady names ernestine yeah i definitely heard of that one before but i i don't know did were there ever any ghost hunters or like ghost investigation teams that have like been there i'm almost 100 percent sure there has because it's one of the most haunted bars in the united states i feel like i've heard of it so many times and like and it's and that's in memphis tennessee uh-huh. It's downtown Memphis. It's um, really close to the river, the Mississippi River. And, I mean, it's a hot spot. People go there all the time, and there are burgers that they make. You can buy, like, two burgers, and you buy your beer in, like, 
six packs <laughs> and oh you just God. sit at a table you can go upstairs they actually found bones in the wall <gasps> what yeah this was within the last year they found bones in the wall and i took them out and they found out that they were cow bones but yeah. that probably means that they are doing some kind of witchcraft or voodoo or something yeah definitely well. mm-hmm. so oh, it's very- wow i don't like that that's eerie <laughs> <laughs> out there every once in a while you know it's not like my regular spot but sometimes it's fun to just go down there after a long night mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah definitely that sounds like a cool place I you know what I've always wanted to visit Tennessee my grandmother went to Nashville um before mm-hmm. she passed away and I've oh and she just always talks about how much she loved it there and just like the southern hospitality is a real thing over there yeah. and mm-hmm. the food is phenomenal and um, she just said it was it's just such a nice place to go. So I would love, like, how what's the distance between Nashville and Memphis? Because I'm not sure geographically how far. Three hours. Three, okay. So you could do, mm-hmm. like, if you did a trip to Tennessee, you can go to Nashville and you could also go to Memphis if you want. Oh, yeah. Be. Yeah. Like, I mean, everyone here, if you have, like, a birthday, a bachelorette, anything, we're all, all the girls are like, let's go to Nashville because it's right there. I mean, mm-hmm. they have, like, a you know, a strip of bars and they have shopping, they have everything. It's really a fun place to go. Oh, now yeah. I need to visit Memphis and Nashville. Lily and I, we want to do like a ghost tour of like all different spots that we're hearing while we're talking to you guys. So we have oh, yeah. to hit up after the pandemic, we have to hit up Tennessee at some point. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I want you to show me around Salem too, because I've never been. Yes. Oh, that too. I'm going yeah. with y'all. because. <laughs> Let's do a Boothangs tour. Like, if we come to Tennessee or you're in Massachusetts, like, we need to find a time to meet up because we would love to do that. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So what's the next next, uh, story that you have for us, Tay? Let's see. This is actually not Memphis-related. It's one I found on Reddit. Okay. Um, Have y'all told one called The Lady in the Tree? No. I don't think so. Okay. All right. There is a huge oak tree in my grandma's backyard when I was about six or seven, which has been cut down since. Where I lived, it wasn't uncommon for someone to have oak trees somewhere in their yard, but this tree, it was stripped of its bark, making it a gray ash color. There were no leaves, and never once did I see any when I visited. I hated going in the back to play by myself. The branches always seemed to be looming over me, seeming to be dark even on a bright and sunny day. One day, when I got bored and decided to go outside to play, I decided to swing on the tire attached to a rope hanging on one of the branches. It was innocent enough. My grandma was inside washing the dishes, but she could see me through the window as I had a direct view of the entire backyard. I sat down and slowly started to swing. The branches croaked and squeaked each time I went back and forth. It sounded like it would break at any moment, but it was actually pretty sturdy. I used it before. Suddenly, I got a creepy feeling like someone was watching me from above, but I was too scared to look up. I looked through the window to see if my grandma was still there. When I looked at her, she was looking above me, a terrified look on her face, her hand covering her mouth. It felt like the sun suddenly vanished and a misty fog rolled in around me. When did that get there? I couldn't move. My fight or flight had me at option three, frozen. I started hearing a creaking sound in the branch above me, like something was swinging back and forth slowly. It wasn't me. I hadn't moved within the last two minutes. I almost started to cry when my grandmother finally came outside, rushing over to me, quickly moving me. She shielded me from seeing what was on the tree. Nothing was said when we got inside, though I think she didn't want to freak me out more than I already was. My grandma moved from that house a few months later after cutting the tree down. She didn't want me to come over after that, but now that she's in her new home, she lets me come over whenever I want. A few years later, when I had remembered the incident, I asked her what happened. She sighed. I had a feeling she still didn't want to tell me, and she answered me with the most terrifying answer I could think of. There was a woman hanging from her neck. It was all twisted and the bone protruding through her skin, but she wasn't dead. She had the look of death in her eyes, and she was fixated on you, struggling to reach you. When I got to you, she started choking on her own blood. After hearing that, I was glad she shielded me from seeing that. I'm happy that I have never went back there, and I'm happy the tree was cut down so no other child has to experience what I went through. I did some research and found out that the couple who had lived there in the house before the husband beat and killed his wife, snapped her neck, and hung her in a tree to make it look like a suicide. It seems like he wasn't in his right mind. Oh, God. That is just so horrifying, seeing a woman hanging there and seeing the bone pop out of the neck. Uh 
I Ooh. get so uncomfortable. I get so uncomfortable hearing that story every time. Every time. Yeah, I just got chills going down my spine again. Thing, or do you think it's like, I don't know. Like, I wonder if that just happens all the time or if it was triggered by the child being being swinging on the tree that she was hung from. Well, that would be oh, really maybe. traumatic if this girl re- like is always going through the same thing the same death of being hung even though it was you know she was killed before then by her husband and was made to look like she hung herself um but yeah I think that this is just um it definitely was triggered by the girl being there and it was kind of like a sign of help right that's what I was thinking too like I think that of course it was very frightening but I don't think that yeah I don't think she was trying to hurt anybody I think she it's more of like the thing maybe she doesn't know that people found out that it was actually her husband maybe yeah. she thinks that people um really thought she committed suicide and she wants that closure definitely Ooh, definitely all right Lily now tell us your next encounter story so this is the Orpheum Theater's Mary it says this theater was once the Grand Opera House in Memphis, Tennessee. It was built in 1890. Since the late 1970s, it has hosted Broadway productions and acts. In 1982, it underwent significant renovations. So Orpheum has been haunted for over 90 years. Its resident ghost is a 12-year-old girl named Mary. Mary's presence disturbed one New York touring company's performance of Fiddler on the Roof in 1977 to the point where they'd requested a seance. People rarely agree on why Mary haunts this theater. One legend states she died in a fire in 1921. Others argue she was injured in 1923 when a streetcar hit her on Beale Street outside the Orpheum. She was then brought into the theater where she died. Her ghost is known to be playful. She is heard playing the Orpheum's organ or singing. She has has been seen running up and down the aisles in the theater. On several occasions, she has been spotted sitting in C5 on the mezzanine level. Witnesses state she has braided brown hair and an old-fashioned white dress and black stockings. Several reports state she has no shoes. It is reported Mary can be helpful. When the theater's organ broke down, Harlan Judkins was called to fix it. He took a coffee break only to find the organ was working correctly when he returned. Many feel this was Mary's handiwork. One young performer that was on stage playing the lead in a production of Annie stated one night as she was carried off stage in the big basket in which her character escapes the orphanage, she heard another little girl's voice talking to her within the basket. It is believed that this was Mary. In Michael Norman and Beth Scott's book, Haunted America, they share a witness account given by Teresa Spoon. Spoon and two friends were visiting the Orpheum Theater to hear an organ concert. As the song Never Neverland was played from the musical Peter Pan, they felt the theater become cold instantly. The women saw a light dart into the theater from the lobby. They watched as this light disappeared behind a row of seats. These three then saw a little girl with brownish hair dancing in an aisle. Spoon reported she got a cold chill as this little girl stopped, looked in her direction, and called out her name. Mm. The end. <laughs> so, Taylor, have you heard of, you know, I mean, is Mary something that's super popular in Memphis, or is she kind of not one of the more popular hauntings? I think that Mary is probably the most popular haunting. If you ask anyone, I mean, it's like Elvis and then Mary the ghost. (laughs) (laughs) She, uh, like I said, she sits in the same seat every time, apparently. And it's, um, she sits on the balcony and she just watches all the shows and people still sit in her seat, which is so strange to me. I think it's kind of funny. I feel like that they should put like, a memoriam on her seat and no one should be allowed to sit there because even people reserved. who work here claim that she's there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So we hear a lot about Mary, right? But um, I found a, a story or a couple of encounters involving a possible previous theater manager um, under the name Larry. So a popular tale goes that in 1959, a gentleman who was well-known at the time, had a radio show and did a lot of community theater at the Orpheum. He was there late one night performing when the script called for him to deliver a line to the sky. So as he delivered the line and looked up into the balcony, he saw a growing blue bright light and the apparition of a male was in that light. He said the apparition appeared to be either waving at him or motioning him to come up to the balcony and he left. So he said instantly he was hit by an icy cold blast, sending him to quickly grab the keys and lock the door 
before he left. And the next morning, the staff of the community playhouse came in and discovered that all the newly wired fusing in the building had been completely blown out. And the guess is that maybe the apparition had become angry that this gentleman just left so suddenly and wasn't willing to communicate with him. So this leaves you to think, well, who is this guy? So um, there's a couple stories, but... um, One of the stories is that back in the day, there was a movie theater and there was two storefronts in the front of the building and above that were two apartments. And the theater manager at the time lived in one of those apartments and was having an affair with a married woman. So, of course, in this version, her husband comes down to the theater one night and catches them in the act. A fight ensued and it spilled into the balcony. The husband was killed by the theater manager. And the thinking is that this male apparition was that theater manager coming back and either trying to connect with people or to exact his revenge. But it's not fully sure. It's not really fully confirmed what's going on with that. Um, So over the years, he's developed the name Larry. And um, a lot of people have claimed to see Larry or at least feel his presence in the building. Um, And uh, one person claimed that they've done a lot of shows there and know a lot of people who've had experienced in the building on the stage down in the basement where the green room and the dressing rooms are, that they see Larry or that at least they feel the dark presence of him. Um, And there's a lot of people that have been frightened and bothered by him. So clearly Larry isn't as much of, well, I mean, I guess Mary is kind of a negative spirit in the sense that, like, you don't like to have the feeling that there's a little ghost girl around you. But I feel like Larry has more of a more malicious intent, if anything, compared to Mary. So he's more the darker spirit that's there at the Orpheum. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Tay, but um, he seems to be pretty prevalent there as well. See, I've never heard of Larry before, which um, is crazy, but I definitely will do some more research into it because um, that is, I've never heard of like a spooky, like malevolent ghost, like you said, because you're right. We don't know if he was just trying to, you know, contact that man or what if he was trying to push him off the balcony or like he's backed his revenge on him. Who knows what happened, especially when he threw a temper tantrum and blew up all the lights. Yeah. So it seems like, you know, there's no real confirmation that he is an evil spirit, but he definitely doesn't seem too happy because he's making people feel very uncomfortable there. Right. So, uh, Tay, do you have any other encounter stories for us? Yes, I have one more. And this story, um, it's very interesting. And you might have to See, let me get what your opinion is on this because it's a little confusing as well. Okay. Okay. So, for the past 30 days, at exactly 2.34, I've been awoken by a child screaming every single night for 30 nights. I would say that the child is around 5 or 6 years old and a female. Living in a small neighborhood, I know everyone who lives here. I could list all of them right now without even having to think about it. I know for a fact that all the children that have ever lived here are well over 25 and have less the neighborhood to live somewhere with better job opportunities. No one has moved here in the past 12 years. At least that's what I thought until last night when I looked out the window after being awoken again. Being a widow since last year, I lived by myself, except for my cat who slept through it all. I wiped the steamed up window and peered out the half-lit street. In the middle of the road was a small, rather slim child. Everything about them seemed normal, except the fact that they were standing on the road at 2.34 at night, and their eyes were squinting at, whoops, sorry, and their eyes, sorry. Even squinting out into the dimly lit lane, I could easily make out those eyes so white that they were almost glowing. There was no visible pupil and that not once did they even seem to blink. They were just terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly they fell to the floor and another scream pierced my ears. There was nobody around that could have knocked them over nor a car in sight. It seemed like a huge gust of wind had blown them over, which would make sense, but the weather had been eerily calm all night. I debated whether I should go outside and make sure that they were okay. But a part of my brain told me something wasn't right. I stayed put, keeping my eyes on the small child laying on the hard, cold floor. There was no sign of breathing, and I realized they could really be in danger. I reached for my phone, turned it on, no signal. I looked out in the street, and they were gone. Like that, they had vanished in the thin air. I managed to convince myself it had been all in my imagination and slowly got back into bed. Just as I pulled the covers over, I heard the door banging two times. I sat up straight. Someone knocked again, three times this time. I reached under my bed for the gun I kept there. Four knocks, sharp and clear, interrupted me in my 
in my head, I tried to piece everything together. Suddenly, I realized every night at 2.34, I heard a scream, two knocks, then three, then four. I started to panic, spear spreading through my body. The door crashed open, and that was when I blacked out. Next thing I know, I was in the hospital. Three cops were sitting beside my bed. I closed my eyes again and heard them speak. They said someone had called them after hearing a scream. They said it sounded like a woman, probably in her 50s. I realized what that meant. I'm a 56-year-old woman. Every night, I heard someone scream until it reached the end of the month, and it was my turn. I sat up and asked the police officers if they had caught anyone. They said no. I asked them who called. They said it was anonymous. The one clue that they found was a ring in the middle of the street, and the letters RW engraved on it. RW, RW, RW. I scanned my head for people. I knew with those initials. Only one person. My dead husband, Robert White. They asked me if the ring in case I could identify it. They brought it to me and took it into my hand and I took it into my hands. I knew this ring. I had the same one on my fingers with my initials on it. This was the ring that I'd given my husband for our 30th anniversary. He had never taken it off. He had been buried with it. No, no, no. <laughs> no. No. But my confusion is the child. Like, I understand the ring, and maybe they're trying to get her attention, but why was there a five- to six-year-old little girl standing in the middle of the road? That's interesting. I don't know. Like, is it, like, a sort of messenger or something? Like, I feel like... Maybe it's, like, a cherub. Right. (laughs) Right. But then she blacked out and was in the hospital. I'm just so confused. It's very, very spooky. But I'm just confused by all the details and how they correlate. Yeah. Well, a lot of psychics and mediums believe that when you go up to heaven, that there are um, certain tasks. Like, it's not like you just sit there and chill. It's like, you know, you're given a certain... um, you're given certain roles. And so right. maybe this role for the child who passed away um, is to maybe communicate or to kind of be like an omen for somebody to warn them or um, to kind of be there as a guidance or like a guardian angel for this woman. Right. So or that's maybe a possible theory. They know that she would have never gone outside and picked up the ring that was out there. Maybe the police had to be called so they would find it and hand it to her. I mean, I guess, I don't know. There's just so, this is just such a weird story that there's just so many ways you can look at it, but it's a really good story, Tay. This Thank one gave you. me, this one gave that me chills really too. That is a really good one. Okay, Lily, so what's your next story? Okay, this one is called, I don't know, Taylor, have you ever heard of Crag Front Mansion? Crag Front Mansion? Crag Front? No, I don't think so. It's either Crag Front or Crag Font. Where is it in Memphis? It's in, in Sumner County. No, I don't know. I don't think I know where that is. Okay. So it's in Middle Tennessee, it says. Okay. So Middle Tennessee's most haunted places aren't just modern day haunted houses, they are real life encounters with ghosts. Over 200 years ago, the Crag, and sometimes here it says Crag Front, and sometimes it says Crag Font. So I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Front. We're going to go with Crag Font. Yeah, um, sounds good to me. So, <laughs> over 200 years ago, the Cragfont Mansion in Sumner County was one of Tennessee's finest homes. Still standing to this day, Cragfont boasts many of its original characteristics, and with that come some unexplained visitors and spooky encounters. The Cragfont Mansion is the home of the Revolutionary War General James Winchester. Construction in 1798 in Castilian Springs started in 1798 in Castilian Springs, and it was once the finest home of the Tennessee frontier. The home is now open for tours, and many who have visited have had unexplained encounters. Scott Brockman is on the Cragfont Board of Directors and gives tours himself. He says during one tour, a visitor picks up a book in General Winchester's office, and when he put it down, the general sent them a message. I was looking out the window. Oh, this is a quote. Quote, I was looking out the window, waiting for another tour group to come in, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, the face of a clock opens and slowly and then barely abruptly, boom, shuts, Brockman said. I turn and look back at the clock and backed out, and I said, I think the tours are over at the general's office today. (laughs) I don't think the general liked that. I think he was sending a message by opening the clock. General Winchester and his wife moved into the home in 1802, and his family lived and died there. 
Many believe their spirits have stuck around. Craig Font's ex-director tells us one day he came by uh, he came by the home with a vacuum cleaner and heard rustling upstairs. When he went to check it out, he found nothing. He didn't find anything. But when he started walking down the stairs, something unexplainable happened. And here's another quote. As I was starting down the stairs, I felt like I had the vacuum. I felt like I felt I had the vacuum. I felt I had something on my shoulder, Lowell Fane said. I thought it was a bird, so I'm doing this to knock it off, and I dropped the vacuum, and the rope, and this rope was around my neck. They jerked me back, and all of it was on video. Faina said, uh, sorry, this is written really weirdly. Faina said when he first started walking at, working at Cragfront, his friends warned him it's haunted. He didn't believe them at first, but he has changed his mind pretty quickly. The end. Oh my gosh. Huh. A rope around my neck is absolutely nightmare material. I was going to say, I would not step anywhere near there if something's putting a rope around my neck. No, no. thank you. No, thank yeah, you. That's there just were negative. so many random commas in that text for no reason. <laughs> I looked through so many stories, and if I saw any pronounce or any punctuation off, I was like, nope, next story. There's either <laughs> lack of punctuation finished. or too much. Right, right. Yeah, it's so difficult to see. Or, like, something that I see a lot that I'll, like, I'll just, like, 86 a story, like, after I see the word and a lot. <laughs> like, to use and in place of periods and commas, and it's oh just too God. much. So, like, and it could be a really good, like, it, it I, I, you know, I skim the story, and it can have, like, good potential for being a good story for the episode. But yeah. if it's just, like, and this happened, and, and that happened, and that happened, and it's just one long run-on sentence, uh-uh. No, that's miserable to get through. Well, I think my story is short and sweet and will be the way that we wrap up today's episode. And I didn't see a lot of ands, so I think this is good. This is titled <laughs> Melting Cat? Question mark. So um, I posted here before about me and my friend being chased out of the woods in, in the woods of the Roan Mountain, Tennessee area. And some nice people told me it sounded like Sasquatch. So... Taylor, have you ever heard of Sasquatch being around the Tennessee area, like uh, that, like Roan Mountain area? <laughs> no, but I mean, I guess I've been. So the side of Tennessee I live on is very flat, but then if you go, um, you know, oh gosh, west coast, east coast, east coast. If you go to the east coast um, or towards that way, it gets way more mountainous. So I mean, I've heard of other like creepy things that never refer to it as like Sasquatch. Well, there you go. Maybe you have to go to the East Coast and try to do some Bigfoot or Sasquatch findings because apparently they had one there. So, well, anyway, so this person's back again with something from Roan Mountain as well. So a couple nights ago, I was driving down a road called Railroad Grade Road. I had just came through one of the tunnels and was going around a curve when a white cat ran in front of my car and onto the bank next to the road. I stopped, turned on the flashlight from my phone, and rolled my window down to talk to it. I kid you not, I, I watched it sort of like melt slash disintegrate into the darkness that my light wasn't illuminating. Safe to say, I drove like crazy to my house after that are there such things as ghost animals or any evil things that can take the form of animals i'm new to all this and would like to learn more so that was the story and i just found it interesting because i did want to bring up uh to you tay do you believe in cryptids and weird humanoid creatures that aren't necessarily human because we've been talking about that a lot on the show so i'm curious if you believe in that Yes, I do. I mean, I I honestly don't really have anything that stops what I believe in. I, I mean, it, unless it's completely proven not real, it's proven <laughs> to me. It's like innocent until proven guilty. Uh, good. I like <laughs> yeah, that. I like exactly. that aspect of it, definitely. Yeah. yeah so. Until proven fake. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so that is my melting cat disintegrating story. I just thought that was a really weird short one to end on because it's just a random cat melting in the road. I don't know how I'd feel about that, me being a cat lady myself. terrifying. (laughs) In the middle of the night, too. And it seems like, have you ever heard of Roan Mountain, Tay? Like, is that, like, a popular mountain by you? Not by me. See, so that, Tennessee is... You can drive from one end to the other, and it'll almost take you, like, 12 hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yes. Our state is so small, so we don't know. 
Oh yeah, our state is huge. I mean, you you literally go through every kind of terrain as you go as well. And I mean, the mountains of Sasquatch thing made me laugh because the mountains in like Middle Tennessee are known for having hillbillies live. In it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the actual hillbillies you would think of, like spitting in spittoons, like with like three teeth rocking on a rocking chair. So I'm like, that was the Sasquatch someone saw. <laughs> it's so scary though. <laughs> all right well um tay thank you so much for being on the show with us today you were amazing and you were just so fun and again i could listen to your accent all day long so we'd love to have you on again just to talk like we would just sit back here and record you can just talk the whole time and we'll be happy (laughs) with that um stay stay on with us um tell us all of your social media how people can find you if you're comfortable with that um we don't have creepy boo things from what i know of so if you're comfortable posting your social media just you know shout out whatever you want to do yeah, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Tay Tay Wiley, and that's W I L E Y, and that's really all I have social media. I don't have much to promote during this quarantine time. <laughs> all right, well that's good enough for us. So Lily, you ready to do our social media? Born ready. All right, follow us on Instagram at Just Cooly Things Podcast. Personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT podcast. Facebook like page. Just Cooley Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Cooley Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon. Just Cooley Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they'd like to share in our show, please email us at Just Cooley Things Podcast at gmail.com. Tay, thank you so much for being on the show, and we Thanks. will talk to Boo tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Ha, ha, ha.